Welcome to the Modern Biopharma Podcast. The world of today's medicines is big, complex, and constantly changing. Our goal is to give you insight into the people that are manufacturing the medicines people need every day. Whether it is the people taking care of these facilities, or those building them, or those maintaining the quality and integrity of every dose that is delivered to the patient, we interview the people that are making it happen and give you a chance to get to know them while we're at it. Thanks for saying hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Biopharma Podcast. Today, we have Brian Hagopian on again today to talk with us about water. Uh, Brian's a chemist at Clearwater Consulting. He's been an industry expert with over 30 years of high purity water system design, construction, commissioning, and validation experience. He's delivered a wide range of solutions to premier pharmaceutical, biotech, semiconductor, research, and other high technology clients. He's a recognized industry leader and active volunteer with numerous professional societies, including the one I know him from is ISPE here in the Boston area where he used to serve as the chapter president and has been involved in pretty much everything that goes on in ISPE up in the Boston area. Uh, That's where I got to know him. He is a contributing author and lecturer on topics associated with USP purified water and water for injection as well as semiconductor grade water. Welcome to the show today, Brian. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Glad to have you. So we are going to talk about something that was on the last episode. We sort of ended with it. And um, it is a, it's it's not new, new, but it's newer in the world of water, specifically in, in pharmaceutical water, where we have a lot of resistance to change and a lot of history and, um, regulation kind of keeps things from moving too, too fast. We don't want to, we don't want to get our head of ourselves in, in the making of drugs. So, and that, that uh, technology is called rapid microbiological monitoring. And um, this is something there's a, there's a, at least a few companies that I'm aware of that are making uh, these devices and uh, we're starting to see more and more of them. So that's what we want to talk to uh, or talk about today with Brian and sort of get his take on it and see, see what he thinks. So uh, first, I just want to ask just to sort of set this up. Uh, for, we're talking about pharma water specifically. So uh, what's the main reason behind uh, microbiological monitoring in a water system? And w- what kind of things are you actually looking for? Well, so obviously, whenever you're making a pharmaceutical product, uh, particularly an injectable product, you want it to be sterile. You don't want any bacteria to be present at all. And the way that things have been done in the past is you take a sample, you culture it, you wait five to seven days, and you count the colonies, right? You, you know, you wait the five to seven days for the colonies to develop, and you count them. And that's kind of the best analogy I can give you as, as to, you know, that that's like driving down the highway at 74 miles an hour and navigating by looking out the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're getting data five days or seven days delayed from when you actually use the product. So if somebody said to me, Hey, we can shorten that. I'm going to be all over that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be all over that. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, there are a lot of different companies that have different techniques for 
what they call rapid microbiological monitoring. And in fact, if I, if I take a minute and define rapid micromonitoring or RMM, it's anything that's shorter than the typical five to seven day incubation period. Right, right. So it could be um, two hours. It could be three days instead of five to seven days. Yeah, and they've come out with like 24 hour tests in the past, right? Like yeah. plate counters yeah. the same way, right? Now, so, but, but there are, there are definitely some issues that rapid micro has had that these methodologies have had with testing and they all relate to the quality control function. The first one is, um, many of these techniques, the particularly the most rapid ones destroy the microorganism as they detect it. Okay. okay. And from a quality control standpoint, if we find a microbiological contaminant in a system, the next thing we have to do is we have to figure out who it is, mm -hmm. right? We have to speciate. So a RMM technology that destroys what it is you're testing for doesn't help from a quality control standpoint because you can't know, um, you, you can't know who these bacteria are. You can't do the speciation. Okay. okay, so that's that's an issue. That's definitely an issue. Hmm. All right. So that, I, I actually didn't even know that. That's good. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. So if you're looking for Larry Moe and Curly, and you kill Larry, and all you're finding left is Moe, yeah, that's no good. Um. So, um, I, I'm I'm just curious. So you talked about I like the, your analogy of looking in the rearview mirror for uh, you know, to see what's going on. Um, you've had some experiences with this, right? Like. What, what kind of things have you seen happen where, you know, maybe, maybe you, they, they came back and they're like, ah, we have a micro problem. Like, and then you go to find it. Have you ever had situations where that happens and then you go back and then you can't find it? Well, the fact, I mean, that stuff happens all the time. In yeah. fact, if, if you look at the generally the industry accepted um, criteria for injectable grade water, they say, 10 colony forming units per 100 milliliters okay now we don't want any colony forming units per 100 milliliters in injectable gray water in fact the implication is that, that water is sterile however if we established a you know a specification of zero then any time there was a for example sampling error and we found two CFU per 100 mil, they'd be shutting down production. Right. And they'd be recalling product. Okay. So the reason that this was, this level was set at 10 CFU per 100 mil is to allow for issues associated with how you collect the sample and, you know, how you incubate and any contamination that might occur. Uh, and again, I want to put another plug in for the ISPE good practice guide on sampling of pharmaceutical water systems. Um, that is something that's available to ISPE members, and it's 120 pages of guidance on all issues related to sampling. Yeah, and and for those of you that don't know, Brian helped write that thing, so he knows what he's talking about here. Um, what did we say? What did you say? We had this on the other episode. How many of these issues that come up are associated with sampling errors versus actual problems with the with the well, system? Well, I get 
I get called in for a lot of water-related issues, and I would have to say 85 to 90 percent of them have some. Uh, there, there's something that goes back to the sampling process. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of different things that you know that that constitute the sampling process. Um, but typically, you know, that's where most of the problems lie. They don't lie with equipment or you know, performance of those types of issues. Okay. So in, in our other episodes, we discussed some of the evolution of, uh, of, so sampling and monitoring of a, of a water system. And we talked about how, you know, quite a ways back long before I was involved in the water industry, they used to measure actual constituents in the water and go, Hey, this is too high. You know, all these different things are too high, too low. Um, it's was individually, you know, collected, sampled, checked in a lab, and we were able to take this whole bundle of issues or of constituents and go, eh, that's called conductivity now, right? That's, we're going to bundle that all up and conductivity. We're going to set a limit for conductivity. We can measure that online. And for conductivity, we have to measure online because as soon as you take it offline, you have other issues and the, you know, the conductivity jumps and then you're not actually measuring the water as it is in the system. Um, you know, after that, we have one, one big constituent called total organic carbon. And that used to all be measured offline as well. They'd take a sample, take it into the lab, they'd measure for TOC. And we were able to come up with instrumentation that online was able to reliably measure that, um, that, that constituent in the water to a you know, point that we could trust it. And now we can use that from a quality perspective. Were you around during all of that change, right? From offline measurement to now it's pretty well all online. I think they do offline as well. You you know, you'd you'd be surprised. There are a lot of um, quality control departments that continue to test for TOC and conductivity. They they Uh, still do. Yep. They still do. And, and, you know, and, and there are reasons, you know, Mm -hmm. there are reasons for doing it. Some of them are, um, hesitant to make a change, but some of them are, you know, are, are based on um, differences in, you know, in, in risk analyses that people have done where they've said, no, you know, we've got too many steps between A, B, and C, and we can't rely on this instrument. We have to take a sample. Okay. Well, that's so, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, they want to do it, you know, it's up, that's on them. Right. Um, but you still, you still got to see how a lot, I mean, yeah, so they still do it, but there's, a lot of places that are now using this instrumentation, um, you know, reliably, it works great, no issues. And there was, there was a transition, right? It took time. It took, you know, groups like, you know, ISPE and what still happening. It's yeah. still, it's still happening, it's right? Still happening. Um, so, cause how, how do you measure that TOC online? How do you measure? Yeah. All those things are uh, a part of it. Where are you putting that con- conductivity probe in your system to reliably measure that? Um, so that transition has happened, is still happening. Now we're talking about, you know, the, the other big component in water for injection that right now, like, like you just said, it's like looking in your rear view mirror to see what's up ahead of you, um, or, or next to you as the case may be, um, in your water system. And that's, you know, that's, that seems to be the next big you know, improvement that we could make as far as understanding where your system is right now, or two minutes ago anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're starting to see more of it. There's a few different companies doing it. 
they're in systems all over the world. I, I mean, I mostly do the United States, but they're, they're in systems all over the place. Um, why, why is this suddenly making us, is this a brand new technology? Has it been around for a long time? Um, you know, can you give me a little history on that? I mean, I can tell you some of the techniques are new, but I can also tell you some of the techniques have been around for 50 years. Whoa. I became aware of a technology called epifluorescence, which uh, basically stains um, a bacteria. And when you hit it with a certain wavelength of light, it fluoresces. And you can literally take a water sample, put it under a scanning electron microscope and count, um, count bacteria. Now, um, one of the disadvantages of epifluorescence is it can't tell you whether something's alive or dead. But this technology existed in the 1970s. Okay. Wow. So that has definitely been so, around for a while. Yeah. It's been, it's been around for, you know, it's been around for quite some time. A lot of some of the, techno the techniques that are being developed now are, you know, they're relying on um, some of them measure ATP. Some of them use fluorescence. They, you know, look for uh, something in RNA or, you know, there are a variety of different techniques. And the, the challenges are that the more rapid the technique tends to be, the more destructive it tends to be. Okay. Okay. So, you know, it can give you data, but again, the quality control and the quality assurance and the regulatory, all the people who are releasing product want to know if there's a bacteria, if there's a bacterial contamination in the system, or if you find bacteria, they want to know, they want it speciated. What is it? Mm -hmm. And if you destroy the bacteria, when you detect it, you're never going to know. You can't know. Okay? okay. The other challenge is that bacteria are not uniformly distributed in a distribution piping system. And when you make a batch of product, the important thing from a product release standpoint is what's the quality of the water going into the product. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can you take a rapid micro technique that, and one of these doesn't exist yet, that is able to instantaneously detect and not destroy the bacteria and put it at every single point of use, then maybe you could make a case for potentially using RMM. But you know, one of the challenge that the challenges of using rapid micro for quality control and product release purposes are that some of the techniques um, will destroy the microorganism as they detect it. Okay. And you know, and and so so that's a you know that's a big problem. That's a, that's a big problem. So, um, so bacteria, you know, I know bacteria does, isn't, um, you know, it's not the same throughout, but like, you know, say you have, cause, cause you end up having biofilms in different potential places in the system. But I mean, is it, is it similar? I mean, so say you have a use point that seems to be your problem use point. We talked about that. You know, we have these problem use points. Um, if, if you were taking a sample and destroying that, that bacteria, I mean, the next one that comes through, is it likely to be the same? Is it mostly going to be the same? Or is it very likely to be a whole different thing? Like what? What's... No, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's really hard to give you a yes, no answer. I on... want you to give me a yes, no answer. <laughs> can't, can't do it. Sorry, can't do it. Uh, you know, the, the problem with microorganisms is that they live in a biofilm. And 
um, they mostly exist in a biofilm. And you can't, um, you know, they are, um, they are not uniformly distributed in a distribution system. They tend to collect in areas where there's low flow and low usage. Yeah. And, you know, there may be a point where the most contamination is, and if there's a little bit of turbulence there, you'll find that um, that's where you'll get your most hits. And then you'll get hits downstream of that as some of that stuff gets carried away you know, downstream in other water systems. I worked at a client where um, they had they had just brought on a WFI system. They had a um, they had an ambient temperature loop and they had a cold loop, and they were having contamination problems showing up in the ambient temperature loop. But it turned out that once we dug into things a little bit further, there was a contaminants were being introduced in the cold loop. Hmm. But because the cold loop was running cold. It took a lot longer, and, and in fact, bacteria then got introduced to the warm loop where they grew faster. Okay. So nobody thought that the point of introduction was going to be the cold loop because the ambient loop is where the problem manifested itself. Normally, right, right. right, right. Okay. So, it, so it held it back like from really you know, replicating and, and whatnot well, yeah, the cold loop, but it was able to release right. and get into the ambient loop then. Right, 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 right. Okay. okay. So, um, you know, one of the other issues, so, so where does RMM have a place? Personally, right now, with, with the state of the art of the industry, I think RMM is extremely valuable as a process control tool, something that can be used not for product release, I don't think we're there yet, but can be used for process control by the engineering and facilities department to be able to immediately, immediately figure out if there's a little bit of an issue with the water system, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, one of the other issues and one of the other hurdles that rapid micro faces is, I think everybody in quality control will recognize that when they plate for and try to grow bacteria, you don't always grow 100% of the bacteria. There are some bacteria that are what are called viable but not culturable. Mm -hmm. Right, they're alive, but when you plate them out, when you try to grow them in a on on a poor plate, they won't grow. So you don't see them. These rapid micro methods will find these viable but not culturable bacteria, and in fact, when doing you know your typical five to seven day incubation period bacterial culturing you come up with numbers with you know zeros and ones and twos and if you implement a new technique that detects more bacteria detects other stuff that you weren't able to detect and now all of a sudden you get eights and nines and tens well a quality control function is not going to want to accept that that you know right to show that their system's doing worse than they think does it use the same kind of so i understand that it's uh, it's able to see let's just let's just say it's able to detect bacteria that the, the, the plate counter can't right um is it is it putting out say a a number or a measurement that's totally different like are, are we talking meters instead of kilograms here you know what i mean like uh or is it is it similar so that those numbers actually correlate to some degree just it, it happens to be seeing more of them 
in theory, I think the numbers will probably track, but okay. the RMM will give you higher numbers. Right. That's just the way, you know, it's, it's the way the technique works. And, okay. you know, in, in some of the techniques aren't able to distinguish between alive and dead. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you're going to get a total count and it might be a number that would, would show that, for example, your purified water's out of spec. Right. Whereas, no, well, you know, whereas the, you know, the currently in use technique shows that in fact your system's under control in spec. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are, there are lots of hurdles that RMM faces with regards to product release and quality control. And I really do think it's got a lot of value as a process control tool. I think it yeah. can, you know, again, we, we talked in an earlier episode about how process control may establish stricter alert and action levels than quality control does based on how a technique is supposed to work. And RMM is a perfect fit. Yeah. In the process control function. Yeah. And I mean, do you, do you expect to see these, um, say, on distribution and on generation? Do you expect to see companies put them maybe on on trouble use points over the you know in the in the course of a, a facility? Where where do you expect to see these um, popping up? Well, I, I think that again, there there's the the first thing is is that companies are going to have to accept the fact that it's a really good process control tool. Yep not yet to be used for quality control or product release. Okay. And then it's a matter of determining where do we, th where is it important to know what our bacteria counts are? Mm -hmm. You know, where are the, the pinch points, the pressure points in our system and where does it make the most sense to monitor that? Yeah. So something I've wondered is, um, you know, th this, this could potentially be seeing things that we've never seen before. Um, right. So, uh, yeah. I, for, for instance, if you were to do, uh, a sanitization of your system, I, I'm making this up. I, I think I've heard this probably from somewhere, but I'm making it up as I go no, here. No, no. And, you do and, a sanitization. It, maybe you don't see a lot of bacteria, right? It's, 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 it's whatever with this thing going, you got the RMM going and it's just, it's floating along. Okay. If you do a sanitization. Uh, you actually may see a big flurry of bacteria and you'll actually be able to see that because it may be killing off some biofilm, which gets released into the system in a way that previously you never saw that because it was dead bacteria. Do you, do you think that that's the case or am I making that one up? Yeah, no, no, no. I think, um, you know, to use an expression that, um, that, that my kids have used, you know, RMM, I think nervous is quality control people. I mean, there, there are a lot of unknowns. <laughs> there are a lot of unknowns that, you know, that um, it could uncover that aren't particularly appealing. Interesting. I've never heard that used as a verb, but I like it. Nervous. No, it's, you know, just like, yeah, I use <laughs> another word I use periodically is lightninging. You know, when it's lightninging outside. Lightninginginging. Yeah, you know what that is, right? I, yeah. don't have to, I know it's not a word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So, yes, um, yes. So uh, just, you know, another thing that's closely related to, to, to bacteria, which we're doing with RMM is, is endotoxin. So does, does RMM pick up endotoxins? If it picks up dead bacteria, does it pick up endotoxins as well? Um, there are, you know, there are specific tests 
for endotoxin and USP requires, you know, different, um, different type of testing. And, you know, endotoxin testing, I believe can be done. You can pull a grab sample and in, you know, literally 15 minutes, you can have endotoxin data. Okay. Cause you're not, you're not culturing it, right? It's, it's more like, yeah. No. Okay. It's it's more like our chemical testing in that regard. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, it is, it is a batch. There is a little bit of a delay, Um, but I've actually had people, uh, you know, sample the water as it's going into a, you know, a batching tank and they hold it for 15 minutes waiting for the okay on endotoxin and then they go. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, you know, I had this list of questions for you and some of them, I, I think we end up being pretty redundant uh, because we cover so much of it, but um, you know, uh, uh, one one thing I'm I'm curious is like is there a reputation that this thing has to earn before it's going to be more ex- more accepted? Um, and and what what's involved? Is it just exposure in the marketplace? I mean, what what do you think are the kinds of things that are holding it back in regards to being a tool that everybody's familiar with and we're seeing it everywhere, just like we do with a TOC monitor? Yeah, I mean, I I do think there are issues with acceptance from a quality control standpoint. I think that um, it will be embraced as a process control tool. Yeah. But I do think, you know, that there are, um, there are limitations based on the technique, uh, based on, you know, does it, does the technique kill the microorganism when it detects it? Um, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a non-starter from a quality control standpoint. Okay. You know, and, and how much faster, um, you know, does it get and, and, and how much speed does it buy you? Um, so ultimately I think that we're a ways away from quality control being able to even consider using this technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that makes, but that makes, I mean, from, you know, everything we've talked about, that makes total sense. Uh, and we're going to have to figure out how to get past some of these hurdles. Like, if it's if the bacteria is not the same everywhere, then putting one of these things at the end of your loop and calling it a day just doesn't make sense on its face, right? Right. Um, from right. a quality perspective, but but you know it doesn't mean again on the process side you couldn't still get a lot of valuable information out of them. But what do you think that we're going to see these really take off and people want them? Do you think maybe cost is too much of a barrier right now? Um, yeah. You know, I think that um, the, uh, you know, being able to go from five to seven days to an hour Mm -hmm. is huge. It's huge. It's one of the most significant developments, in my opinion, in the industry. Yeah. You know, so there it's, I mean, and, and the field is, it's rapidly evolving. You know, we talked about it in the sampling guide and we basically only touched on it because the field is evolving so rapidly every month there's a new development so you know there's certainly value to it um the people who are making the instrumentation recognize that the people who are potentially customers recognize that so every you know there's there's um there are groups in not only ispe but in other places that literally are you know, focused on making sure they understand what's the state of the art with rapid micro monitoring and try, you know, what can we, 
uh, implement now? Where can we implement it? And so, you know, it it's coming. Yeah. Right now it's coming in process control. All right. That's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm, I, right now I have a, a planned interview with uh, one of the manufacturers uh, probably a month away at this point, but um, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to them and see what they have to say about where it's going, where it's been, um, and some of the, maybe the hurdles that they're, they're jumping right now to, to, to get it used in a lot of facilities. I'm aware of, you know, up here in New England, quite a few that are using it right now. And it sounds like uh, some of them are getting ready to even publish on some of the results. So I think that'll be really interesting to see. Um, yeah. yeah. So awesome. Anything else you'd like to just add on this? I mean, this, this is kind of a big subject and it's- Yeah, no, I mean, I, over. you know, we could, we could spend a lot of time on it. I think the most important thing to understand is, is that I, in my opinion, it's a great process control tool it's not there from a quality control standpoint yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are lots of, you know, there are lots of hurdles. Yeah. Well, um, and that's the final word. Uh, I, I like it. Um, I'm looking to, I, I've seen a few of them out there. I'm excited to see, you know, how this impacts ultimately, you know, how we deal with water quality and how we can respond to events uh, with our systems, whether it's an RO systems, but whatever. I mean, because they could be catching things in, in different levels. But I think it's really neat that, we're now able to, to, to catch uh, a system going in the wrong direction so much faster than we ever would have. We just, there's nothing that would tell us that something's going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And that's the value. That's yeah. absolutely the value of this technique. Yeah. Um, and that, that can make a really, if you see it on the front end, right, you can really make, you can really make a big difference in dealing with the problem overall because bacteria proliferate awfully fast. So if you're catching it five days later, you got some, you got a world of hurt coming to you. So, all right, Brian, well, thank you so much for this. I appreciate your time today. And uh, I definitely learned more about what RMM is and uh, what it can do and what it can't do actually. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us today. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. See ya. All right. Thanks again for listening to the modern biopharma podcast. Please reach out if there is someone you'd like us to interview or a topic you'd like us to discuss. We will make it happen. And don't forget to like us on iTunes or subscribe on YouTube. It helps us get the word out. See you next time.